responsibility for that use in Alachua County solely. Um, so we're going to be in High Springs, and there's a, a, a young, I say a young man, he's, he's retired, um, but he, um, he took over ownership over his parents when they passed, and, and it's an old house, probably built in the 1930s, 1940s, and um, the back porch is very, very, very unsafe and sketchy, and that's where everything is, washer, dryer, hot water heater, and you name it. There's no rails, the steps are kind of a makeshift uh, cinder block process slapped together. We're going to change out all of the decking on the whole back porch and give him some brand new concrete steps and handrails. And um, he is just blown away um, that a church that he's never been to, he's never met any of us except for the first time we knock on his door. And we were given his name by one of our church members that is acquainted and knows him. Um, so just keep an eye out, guys, in Alachua County, uh, preferably in our area of Alachua County. If you know of a family that owns their home, and uh, they're facing some financial struggles and they need some help for their home, whether, you know, stuff that we can handle. Uh, please let myself or any one of the staff members know so we can do that. So uh, just so you guys know, we got some brand new shirts for the Big Serve. Uh, we asked, yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful. Um, so these are also Life Spring colors. Uh, for those of you who are new to Fellowship Church, Fellowship Church has been here since 1988. And over the past couple of years, we've been diligently praying to God and hearing some, some guidance, and he was ready for us um, to replant. And that is, uh, we're becoming Life Spring Church. Um, so you'll see this quite often in High Springs, and I mean quite often. Um, so we got some new banners in the back, as you can see, also shirts. If you want to pick your shirt up, I think they're around $15 um, to get your shirts and um, pick it up. We got every size you can dream of. I think we've got like 57 or 60 shirts, so please feel free. Um, to get with one of us next week, we'll have them out in the foyer on your way in or out so you can get them on a Sunday. But otherwise, you can get with us and, um, and take care of that. Amen. So we're going to need everyone all hands on deck. We're going to need some people that know how to carry stuff, how to cut stuff, how to tell people what to do. Some of you ladies will be good at that, right? Come on, lift up your hands, ladies. Say, I can, say, I can boss, you know. Um, but, yeah, we're going to need some ladies. We're going to need some men. We, we got some children that are preparing some desserts, some, some brownies, some cookies. So, listen, even if you're scared to get a splinter in your hand, can I get an amen on how many men like to drink Mountain Dew and eat some sugar while you're working? Come on. Raise your hands. Yeah, you go. So, listen, there are so many ways that you can help out. So, um, please mark your calendar for next Saturday on the 12th, I think it is, or the 13th. Which one is it? Y'all help me out. So we want to be there, right? 8 o'clock to hopefully around noon. Some of us may have to hang out, or some of you, everyone, may have to hang out till 2. But we're really going to focus on trying to get it done by lunchtime. Amen. Um, so that's something you're going to see a lot more of um, in our area over the next couple of years. So uh, for those of you here, we are on our last sermon of this message series titled Relation Strive. And uh, the focus and the target of every relationship that each and every one of us have, especially or primarily if we are a follower of Christ, no matter what stage you are in your Christian walk, no matter what stage you are in your journey, every relationship that you ever build should have one target and one goal, and that is to raise up a devoted follower of Christ. And I know you're like me thinking that I did. I'm like, well, I'm barely even a Christian. How in the world am I going to raise up a devoted follower of Christ? Well, in order to lead someone to become a devoted follower of Christ, you need to, what, 
become a devoted follower of Christ. And I promise you, you will not regret that decision to just diligently really chase after God. I promise you, you'll never, ever come back to me. Pastor Damon, you told me to be a devoted follower of Christ, and it has just been the biggest waste of my time. That's not going to happen. Now, you may make some choices and decisions in your personal life or mindset that isn't really following Christ, and it'll feel like following Christ is not really the thing for you. But I promise you, if you're, if you're honest, you'll see some huge improvements, and you'll be able to raise up devoted followers of Christ. So in any relationship, if we don't have that target, how, do you, how many of you guys know relationships can go haywire? Like you can get hurt, you can hurt someone quick, right? It just happens. Well, a lot of times it's because we get into relationships or friendships and we don't have that target. So we don't want to exist. We don't want to survive toxic relationships. We want to strive in all of our relationships. So we're going to be in a couple of places today in our Bible. Um, you want to turn there now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys know that. That is called the book of love. And um, so anytime you want to talk about love, think about love, pray about love, study love, that's a good book to go to, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, another part that we're not going to go to today, but just to give you guys an, an example, um, God wanted so much of this one subject that he put it together in one book. So 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, it's all about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things so far, evidence of things not yet seen. And then it goes on and talks about all the people that did all these miraculous, awesome things by faith. By faith, so-and-so went here. By faith, so-and-so did that. So the whole book basically of, of Hebrews 11 is about faith. But I want you guys to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and also Romans chapter 5. Both of those in the New Testament. You want to get down to Matthew, take a right, go a couple chapters, it's all there. We need 1 Corinthians chapter 13 first, and then we'll get to Romans 8. How many of you guys, um, well, before I get there, I want you guys to turn to verse 8. Can you all do that? I call it 8a. That's the beginning. We're not going to read the whole verse 8. We're just going to read the very first three words in most translations. First, I mean, uh, Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Anybody there? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull one up on your phone on the Bible app. Um, that is the password for you to log on. Wi-Fi, and also you can look on the screen. Typically, we have the scripture there for you. Y'all ready? Romans 5, 8. I'm really messing y'all up. Y'all got to forgive me. I will get before 30 this morning. Let's do this again. 1 Corinthians. I know some of y'all are getting motion sickness because you never traveled that much, but it's okay. We're going to make it through. I promise you. We'll, it's easy sailing from here. All right? Easy sailing. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some of y'all are like, I ain't ever coming back here. Shoot. <laughs> the church I went to last week and everything was on the screen. We didn't have to bring no Bible. No, listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. And I promise you, when you read those first three words, we'll be on the same page. All ready? Can we do this together? Wait up, we got we to gotta get our media team. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. How many guys watch Medea? Always misquoting scripture. 1 Corinthians? No, it's Corinthians. Don't you like that? They're holding hands. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 says, Love, love, say it louder. Say it one more time. We got some ex-cheerleaders back here. and Love never fails. But it's true. 
Love really does not fail. Let's just say it one more time in case we didn't hear ourselves. Love never fails. All right, so now what I want to get to is how many of you guys are ladies enjoy quotes? Like there are certain quotes you'll see. You'll be printed on a calendar, some, something you can post on your mirror. Well, I want to go through a couple of quotes that I've seen in our life and our culture kind of become part of our everyday terminology, our everyday sayings. Okay, so we're just going to see if some of you are familiar with that. Okay, we, we read the scripture. We got there. Love never fails. We won't, we won't go back to Romans again. Just joking. It was First Corinthians. So I'm going to give you one right now, okay? Here's, see if you guys recognize this. It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Has anybody ever heard? How many of you disagree with that quote? A couple of us are like, son, you newly, you're newly mad. You, you, newly married, newly wed. You can't be doing that. Maybe talk previous, yeah, previous relationships. Okay. Another one is knowledge itself is power, uh, made by Francis Bacon. Now, maybe some of you have heard this next one by Alexander Pope. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. Now, I know a lot of you have heard the next one, right? God helps those who help themselves. How many of you guys think that's a Bible verse? But it sounds pretty close to what it could be, right? It's not. Benjamin Franklin uh, uttered those words. What about this next one? Love like you've never been hurt. Have you ever heard that quote before? Do you know who supposedly is responsible for speaking those words? Well, today we're going to learn why or how and who. Okay? So here's another one. This same person that was supposedly quoted for love like you've never been hurt, he also wrote this one. And I know I've heard it for some of you already. Age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. So if you don't mind what age I am, and if I don't mind what age I am, it doesn't what? Doesn't matter. So one more quote from this gentleman. He said, never let the odds keep you from pursuing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. Y'all see those as inspirational. You know, they inspire me to push forward. They inspire me to go the extra mile, right? I'm not going to let the odds come against me to convince me that it's not worth pursuing being who God's created me to be. Well, this person I'm quoting is and was an African-American professional baseball player pitcher. Now, he played in the Negro League Baseball and made himself, made his way to the Major League Baseball. His career spanned over two or three decades um, and culminated in his induction to the National Baseball uh, Hall of Fame. He played 20 years of baseball plus. He didn't start playing baseball till he was in his 40s, like started playing baseball on a league. Okay, his name is Leroy Satchel Page. <laughs> I couldn't see myself playing Major League Baseball in my 40s. Now, Sean, on the other hand, or Brad, I've seen David Dobbins, I've seen them get nitty-gritty on the job, and they could probably play some baseball. David plays tennis. Y'all know how good a shape you got to be in to play tennis and win? You know what I'm saying? Y'all not laughing. That's okay. I'll just talk about something. Talk about you instead. Um, so he was criticized, and uh, they would yell racial slurs at him. Number one, not only was he the only Negro, according to you know the text, on the field, but he was a pitcher. A pitcher. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? 
And, but he was such an athlete that one time they played against this, this, this group, and in efforts to intimidate him, they put up four of their best batters back to back. It was like, we're going to embarrass this cat. We're going to get him on. And people are still screaming and slurring him, all these racial things. Well, he goes to walk up to the pitching mound, and he tells all his outfield guys, he says, listen, go to the dugout. They're like, what? Go to the dugout. Then he tells his baseman, he says, I want baseman one, two, and three. Y'all sit down on the base. And this guy commenced to walking up to that pitcher's mound, and he pitches and strikes all four of the best guys on the opponent's team. Typically, you'll do like one of your best batters and maybe three kind of medium and then one so you can bring them all home, right, in one lick. No, he he stroke out all four back to back to back to back to back. And one of the reporters, now people really, really screaming. They're really just cutting him, attacking him verbally. And one of the reporters asked him, he said, look, how do you handle that? Like, what do you think about that? He says, sometimes you just got to love like you've never been hurt. Sometimes, you, let's just say it together. Sometimes you just got to love. Mm. He also said, work like you don't need the money and dance like nobody's looking. I like that one. I've been telling my wife that for years, not about the working part, but the dancing part. She's like, baby, you don't need to dance in public. I said, I dance like nobody's looking. You know, I just do my thing. But we got to love like we've never been hurt. I'm going to give you some good news. Sooner or later, as you hear my voice today, those of you who are listening online, someone is going to offend you. Someone is going to hurt you. You are going to suffer hurt. You're going to experience hurt. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be let down. You're going to be a let down to someone else. It is going to happen. Amen. For those of you who got a little gray and a little baldness, we grasp this, right? <laughs> we are going to be hurt by someone or we are going to end up hurting someone. We're going to be talked about. We're going to be unjustly judged by the self-righteous. Amen. For those of you who've been around church a while, uh, those have been put together a little bit better than, than, than themselves, right? I mean, they're put together better than you because they you know, they got it all, all right. They're always right. Uh, maybe you have conflict with someone that you don't even know you have conflict with until it comes out. And you're like, are we talking about the same person, me? Like you, you upset with, I don't even, what is your name? You guys know what I'm talking about. It just happens. Everybody say it just happens. But here's the painful part is oftentimes you will be hurt. You will be backstabbed, heart stabbed, face stabbed, whatever, you, by those you love the most. And what does that do? That hurts the most. I should have got a couple amens. How many have you, have you been hurt by someone you love? Come on, lift up your hand. Bunch of wounded folks up in here. But guess where we're at? We're in God's house. We're still taking in his word. We're still worshiping him. We're still praising him. We're still growing. Well, I want to read something to you, another quote by Mark Twain. He said, if you find a dog on the side of the road, that's hurt. Wendy and David. That's starving. That's mangy. That's dirty. 
that's dying and you feed that dog and you take it home and you groom it and you nurture it back to health, that dog will never bite you. I'm not finished. He goes on to say, there lies the major difference between a dog and a human being. Everybody say, ain't that the truth? Like you could do, 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 do for someone. And in a split moment, you don't even have to put your food by their food bowl dish. They will bite you. Right? Some of y'all looking guilty like y'all the biters. Uh, Deacons, can y'all get some muzzles, please? (laughs) Honestly, guys, you guys feel where I'm going, right? We've been hurt. And I'm not putting the whole focus today on on how we've been hurt and how wounded we are. My focus today is on how to love like you've never been hurt. Have you ever met someone, got a chance to know them, you're like, man, somebody did you wrong. They just wear scar over scar over scar over scar, and your heart just breaks for them. Man, how how can we get you some healing Jesus is the only way that I have found to give me healing in my heart. Amen. Jesus had this famous quote in Luke chapter 17. This man speaks the truth. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus. This is what he said in Luke 17, verse 1. He said, now he said to his disciples, he's telling his disciples, this is how things are going to happen. He says, it is inevitable. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. It is inevitable that offenses stumbling blocks some translations say temptations to sin it is inevitable that offenses will come it's going to happen people are going to tempt you to be hurt they're going to tempt you to be offended they're going to tempt you to read things wrong right they're going to tempt you they're going to be offended then he goes on to say he says but woe to the one through whom they come Now, I'm going to make a couple of us nervous. If we're the ones (laughs) that are the offensive people, if we're the ones offending others, if we're the ones becoming a stumbling block or tempting others to sin, Scripture says in the very next verse that it would be better for them to tie a rope around their neck to a millstone and be cast into the sea. Can we just say heavy? Right? That'll make you think twice about the how you really want to speak your mind and offend someone. But it also gives you courage to know that if you have innocently been hurt by others, it just shows what Jesus would rather happen to them. It would be better for them to have a a big stone, a millstone wrapped around it and cast into the sea. Woe to him who is the one who offends, the one that leads a, a child of God to sin. Amen? You guys got that? No? Y'all know how easy it is to get along with people when you're like-minded, right? Have y'all seen like a change in culture in the last 50 years? Like if you don't speak the way I speak, wear the type of clothes that I I wear, if you don't have the same family, friends, then it's a cancel culture. Like, I just can't get along with you. I just can't talk with you. I can't be around you. There's no like, it's healthy to actually disagree on something. Do you guys understand that? Like that's how you develop some of the best teams. 
is when you have mindsets that are different. But if our heart is after God, our heart is after souls being saved, it doesn't matter what, who has feelings and what opinions, right? What's most important is that we're leading people to Christ. We don't have to look the same, smell the same, talk the same, walk the same. We don't have to. But have you noticed? Have you noticed? Have you noticed? You will be alienated because you don't think the same way your family does or your friend does, whatever the case is. Jesus says it is inevitable that offenses will come. The quote says you got to love like you've never been hurt. Do you all believe that people wake up every morning and they brush their teeth and they sharpen their tongue? Do you all believe that? A lot of y'all thinking, man, that sounds a lot like my, my ex-wife or my, my ex-step-parent or, or my teacher, whatever the case may be. But some people just ate up with it. They, they want to live to just hurt others, to just destroy, tear down others. Let's look at what happened to Joseph. You know, you think about Joseph and what he had to go through. I mean, his own brothers sold him into slavery. They put him in a pit, left him for dead, you know, just insane. But yet, at the later part in life, he's standing there with the keys to the kingdom, basically. He's the, the man in charge, you know. He has all the corn that anybody can eat. There's a famine. People are starving. They're broke. And here he is. And I can just imagine the people that have wronged him. He gets a choice right there. He gets to love like he's never been hurt, or he gets to exact, or he gets to put out his revenge on all those that did him wrong including the baker, including uh, Potiphar's wife, you know, just seeing that he could have done it. His brothers, he could have done them all wrong. I can get them back. Finally, finally, I can do them wrong. But instead, he said, I'm going to love like I've never been hurt. He made a choice. I'm going to love like I've never been hurt. And then he saved his family. He saved all the people in the country. You think about Moses. Moses wanted to set God's people free. But at some given point, he failed. And he failed pretty miserably because he ended up being in a desert or wilderness for 40 years. Four decades to think about how you made the wrong decision or how things didn't go the way you wanted. God came back to him and said, listen, I want you to set my people free. And that's when he chose to go ahead and just obey God. And he chose to love like he's never been hurt. Because in his mind, he was like, I fed that dog and it bit me. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. But he did. And because of, his, because of his obedience, because he made the choice to love like he's never been hurt, we saw freedom. Everybody say freedom. You know, that's what happens when you love others like you've never been hurt. You experience freedom. I don't know the percentage, but I would say a large majority of those who have greatly offended, hurt you, something that caused scars that you still yet deal with decades later. The percentage of people that think about that, that altercation, that offense, the ones who, who, who did it, they don't think about it as much as you do. So if we're thinking about it all the time, we're not in freedom. Does that make sense? We're held captive by the offense, by the hurt that has happened to us. And please don't hear me wrongly that I'm saying, oh, you just got to move on. You just got to let it go. I'm telling you firsthand, it is nearly impossible to let go of some deep, hurtful offenses. 
outside of allowing God to remove that from your heart and your mind. Amen? It's nearly impossible because sometimes it really, really does hurt. It's hard to even move forward. But just be free. Say, Lord, I'm not going to be held captive. They did me wrong then. They don't have to still do me wrong today, this year, this day, this week. In Jesus' name, I am free. Amen? You think about David, who had a father that didn't believe in him. David's brothers, his siblings, just made fun of him. They belittled him. He had a wife who put him down and mocked the way he worshiped God. Well, he was naked and he danced. So, I mean, <laughs> a lot of us don't really do that. But, you know, he wasn't supported by his wife. He had a son named Absalom who was rebellious, who was defiant, who really, 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 really broke his heart. And you thought your family was twisted. David had it rough. It's crazy. It's crazy some of the things that, that we, we, we see these days, but it all happened even in the Bible. I'm saying to you guys, you've got to make up your mind that you're not going to be held by people's offense. You're going to love like you've never been hurt. Sometimes you have to love God like you've never been hurt. How many of you guys have been there before? Because I've been hurt by God. My plans did not go the way I thought God told me the plans were going to happen. Um, I've had people die in my arms. That wasn't something that I was just excited about accepting, that that was God's plan. You guys understand what I'm talking about. Nearly going broke, draining all of our bank accounts just to stay here in Florida because we answered the call of God. That wasn't something that I was excited about God allowing to happen. So I was pretty upset with God. I know I'm not the only one. Please don't judge me. If you haven't gotten upset with God, you will. Amen? But I have to learn. I need to love God like I've never been hurt. And that is some of the best healing, some of the best freedom. Because when I just reflect on some of the songs that we sung today, some of the lyrics that we sung today, it just talks about the greatness of God. That he only wants to love me. He only wants to guide me. He only wants to provide for me. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. From Genesis to Revelation. He loves me more than any other power I could ever imagine. Why on earth would I think that he's going to fail me now? He won't, right? Everybody say, he won't. He won't fail, right? He won't. Y'all ain't got this yet. He won't fail. Things may not go the way we think or we want, but it's not him who's failing. Amen? We just got to extend a little patience. We got to extend a little faith. Amen? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. You can turn there. I'm going to be talking about Job before I get there. Job had 10 children that he lost in a day. 10 of his children lost in a day. He had a wife who told him, kill yourself. Just give up. She must have thought he, like she had a good insurance policy on him or something. He had four friends who sat around him in a circle for seven days. They did nothing but just level accusation after accusation. They called him a hypocrite. They called him a liar. They told him that the reason he was going through this is because of the judgment of God, and you must have problems. His friends were telling him this. Quite amazing. He was sick. And lost everything he owned. But in that moment, Job, Job could have become bitter. He could have made a decision. You know what? I'm hurt. 
and I'm never going to love again. I'm going to hate God. I'm going to turn my back on God. You know, he could have done that. He had the choice, but instead he stayed faithful. He said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. And what did God do? God said, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. And he was blessed beyond measure. Why? Because he chose to love God like he's never been hurt. And I know not a person in this room or listening online has had to go through what Job has already gone through. We've lost loved ones. Some of us have lost children. We've lost spouses. We've lost a lot. And it's painful. And it hurts. We've been done wrong. But let me tell you something. It still doesn't compare to what Job went through, and yet he never wavered from his commitment to God. Amen? Everybody say, I want that type of spirit. I don't want to waver. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up just because things are painful. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you and fights for you against your enemies. Unfortunately, some of the people that hurt us aren't really our enemies. So we don't want to fight against them, right? But Scripture says right here that the Lord your God is he who goes with you and fights for you against your enemies to give you the victory. But yet we find ourselves repeatedly being in the front of someone who wants to offend us or someone that wants to do us wrong. And the easiest way to get past that is to love like you've never been hurt. Jesus himself loved like he had never been hurt. Now, this is where things really get serious. We're talking about the Messiah, Yeshua. We're talking about our Savior, the Son of God, the Rescuer. This is who we're talking about, Jesus. He was afflicted. He was beaten. He was wounded. An extreme amount of pain and hurt. He was bruised. This is stuff that's below skin surface. Would you agree? And oftentimes when people choose to hurt you, it's not a physical altercation. They want to bruise you internally, right? They want you to have this pain and this awkwardness of pain for a long time. And that's what happened to Jesus. He was hurt internally, deeply. But this is what Jesus did. He lifts his voice. He didn't even wait for people to ask for forgiveness. Y'all please hear me. If you want to be able to love like you've never been hurt, if you want to be able to love like you've never been hurt, we got to follow Jesus's example. They didn't ask for forgiveness, but on his own, he offered forgiveness. Do you see that? He made the choice, even amidst what he was going through. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I know you're saying, but Damon, so-and-so knew what they were doing to me. And you may be right. You may be right. They got some ignorant folks in this planet, right? And they know they're doing wrong, and they will do it straight face. But here's what they do not know. They do not know that God takes care of his children. Yeah, but if he took care of me, why would this happen? So you can grow through it. God's going to pay them back. I promise you. I could give you a list of people that have spoken against me, people that have gone out to be dead set against me, that have spread rumors, that spread slander. I could give you a list of how the Lord took care of his own business. And I don't say that pridefully. I say that with fear. Because I used to sit in the same chair 
nitpicking, back talking about such and such pastor and the way he did this and the way he don't do that. And when I saw in Scripture where God takes care of his own, especially those who are the shepherd of his flock. Because I sowed those seeds. And every time something like that would happen to me afterwards, I'd say, Lord, I sowed that seed. I'll take this harvest right now. I'll take my licking because I sowed the seed. Did I get angry at them? I still did. But I was mature enough to understand I sowed that seed five years ago. I sowed that seed ten years ago. I'll take it, Lord. But I promise you it won't get replanted. Amen? It won't get replanted. Everybody say hallelujah. Come on. Oh, y'all like that one. That's good. This is what Jesus said. Hanging on the cross, he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. He said, I'm going to love them like I've never been hurt. These nails, these stripes, this pain in my body, I'm going to love those same people who do this to me. I'm going to love them like I've never been hurt. We're still going to go to Romans chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. For those of you who put your Bible down, you closed out your phone app, you've already checked on your stocks and bonds, you've checked on your crypto, you've already checked on your Facebook, you've already, no, listen, go back to Romans 5, 8. We're going we're gonna to be there right now. Here's how you like, you love like you've never been hurt. Y'all ready? Romans 5, 8, verse 3, 11. But God demonstrated his own love that for us while, everybody say while. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not turning to the scripture yet. Just say while. In my notes, I have, we're going to say this five times already. Y'all, while. Are y'all getting this? What does while mean? While it's occurring, in the midst, at the same occurrence that such and such is happening, while. Okay, you guys got this, right? Jesus, here it is. But God demonstrates his own love that while, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The closest resemblance I can give you is while someone is offending you, while they are hurting you, you are saying, I forgive you. How many of you, that just feels so comfortable to you? Right? That's like, while I'm offending you, you're forgiving me at the exact same time. How many of us are skilled in that area? (laughs) No hands go up. But yet Jesus modeled this. He said, while you are still sinning, I'm going to die for you. While you're cheating, while you're stealing, while you are living in adultery, fornication, murder, while you're doing it, not asking for forgiveness, but while you're doing it, Christ died for you, for me. That takes guts. That takes commitment. That takes power. So how do you love like you've never been hurt? You follow Jesus' example. He says, while you are yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been been justified by his blood, so by his death, by the blood that was shed willingly on the cross, you and I were justified, which means we were declared free of the guilt of sin. While you were living in sin, Jesus' blood was covering that very same sin. 
you are being justified. The only way you can ever come to heaven, ever come to God, is through Jesus and the blood while we were sinners. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, that's just to get you saved. That's just to get you forgiven. You guys see that? That's powerful. And it says, how much more, how much more through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled with God, now you're in right standing with God if you've given your life and surrendered your will to him. It says, now you've been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, though, it says, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have what? We have what? We've received, some translations say, the ministry of reconciliation. How many of you guys know anything about nitroglycerin? We're talking about reconciliation, okay? But nitroglycerin, if you look it up in the dictionary, it has two quick, easy definitions. You can blow stuff up with it, or you can heal a heart. You can calm a heart in the human body or any body. Does that, does that make sense? The same chemical can blow up a house can be used to calm a heart. Doesn't that sound a lot like our words? That we can use our tongue to blow up a house or destroy someone's rapport, right? Or we could use nitroglycerin tongue and be healing, be someone that, that restores, gets the heart calmed down back to where it needs to be. Amen? So let's pray that our tongue uses nitroglycerin in the good sense and not the bad sense. We don't want an explosion with our tongue. How many of y'all have exploded before? Now, we are not Catholic, and you're not in confession booth right now. But just to help us identify that all of us ain't, ain't like, really, really living right, how many of you blew up this week? Some of y'all are trying to touch, touch the ceiling. <laughs> and we say that tongue-in-cheek, right? We say that tongue-in-cheek. Man, I blew up. I, I just blew up. I just, I just had to let it out. I just said, ooh, they, they just didn't even know what was coming. But what did Jesus say about those who, who offend, especially if it was done intentionally? Oh, it wasn't done intentionally. They, they pushed the button. It just came out. No, you stewed on it. <laughs> you nurtured, you fed that little demon, right? Love like you've never been hurt, people. Some of y'all, we're paying for other people's hurt that someone else hurt them. Because they didn't learn it's a choice to love like you've never been hurt. Here's the best thing I can give you guys. Forgive them before they ask for it. Forgive them while they're doing it. While they're dragging you underneath the mud, while they're mistreating you, taking from you, just forgive them right there and then. Some of y'all are like, there ain't no way. Jesus has got some power, but that's deep. Right? Y'all thinking like me, right? <laughs> Whew! That's got, no, Jesus got to be strong. Well, I assure you, he is. 
but you got to let him do it. You guys know Heinz 57? I'm not talking about a dog that showed up at your house, okay? Heinz 57, the ketchup. Do y'all know that because of COVID, because we can all just blame everything on COVID, my shoe soles don't even stay glued because of COVID, but you go to the grocery store to buy a glass bottle with Heinz 57 ketchup up, and you can't find it in any store because the glass makers have COVID. But honestly, I wanted to have an example for you this morning, but I'm not going to use this because it's kind of like not making the whole thing. But Heinz 57, if you know anything about it, it's ketchup, okay? The ketchup specifically. Uh, it is of a, a consistency, and it's not, it's not that it's pressurized, but once you open the top, which is a job in and of itself, right? Have you ever opened the top of a brand new Heinz 57 ketchup bottle? It's kind of hard, right? It's difficult. Some people use their teeth. Some people use a door. Close the door, squeeze it, open it up. Some of y'all call the men. And um, and we just do like that, except for Mike Hosey. He's got to get a rag and all this stuff and just. <laughs> but anyway, you got to open it up. So you get the ketchup and you want to do this and you want the ketchup on your plate. And what happens? Nothing. Now, you can get the Surefine brand or the, you know, knockoffs and, <laughs> and like everything. Just Louisiana, we call it frotch. It's just all over your plate. Like you want some steak with your ketchup, you know, but. But behind 57, you got to do this, and you do that, and you do that, and it doesn't even budge. This guy's already got it. He's like, he starts tapping, right? How many of you thought that 57 stood for that's how many taps you had to do? <laughs> and you got to 130, and you just slammed it on the floor, right? But what they said is they put the 57 on the glass jar at a very specific scientific test. And if you tap, you tap on that 57, not 57 times. Because you never know how long it's going to take. But that is, the, that is the spot that you have to keep tapping in order for that ketchup to start flowing out. Now, about forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's hard to open up. To forgive, right? We want it vacuum sealed, right? We want the little safety wrap on there with the little pop button. When you, we want that's how we want forgiveness. You better earn my forgiveness, and it's hard to open up. But let me tell you something: when you open up the thought of reconciling the offense, when you open up forgiveness, that's just the beginning, right? Would you just even think, oh, I'm going to forgive them. Oh, my gosh, that was enough. Oh, whew. I'm being serious. I felt like I did enough. I did my part. Lord, I said I would forgive them. I said it. No. He wants you to take that cap. I can't do it right now, but you know, imagine you take the cap off, and he wants you to start tapping on forgiveness. He wants you to start tapping on forgiveness. He wants you to start tapping on forgiveness. Because how many times will it take for you to really forgive them? How many times does it take for Jesus to forgive you? Open up to the thought of offering that person forgiveness. And when you start, it's not just going to happen. It'll be done with and you can move on. Sometimes it takes faithful, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to forgive them. And when you lose count, when you do it 
without worried about why well, I did it 47 times. I'm not forgiving them 50 times. I'm not forgiving. 57? Uh-uh. Let's look at what Peter said as we wrap things up. Peter asked Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive? Now, he was trying to be a little smart, Alec, for those of you who know Peter. Like, he'll preach and cut you in the same, the same minute. He was off a little bit, like me. So, but he said, how many times do I need to forgive? And uh, the Pharisees, their practice was to forgive three times. So he wanted to be like, okay, this is just Damon thinking. I'm going to double that. He was very competitive. I'm going to double that. And I know my wife, because Peter was the only one married that we know of. He's like, my wife, she, she's, she'll meet me in the middle. And she'll probably say, forgive six times. I'm going to do one more. Jesus, seven times we're supposed to forgive? And he's like, no, not, not, not seven times. I don't tell you seven times. He said, I tell you 70 times seven in a day. So you, you, you want me to forgive someone 490 times today? In a day, you want to forgive that many times? Yes, I'd like you to do that. How many of you guys are ready to, to clock out? It's the same for me. Like, I'm going to forgive like 10, 15, 25, 35, 40, and that's about, I'm done. No, because they could keep doing it to me if I keep forgiving them. Will they? Love like you've never been hurt. Let's say that together. Love like you've never been hurt. Why, why, why does 57 not stand for how many times you tapped? Why? Because it's not about how many. See, you want a mathematical equation to get your forgiveness out after you open up. That's, that's what Peter was asking. He was asking for a mathematical equation so I know how many times I got to forgive them in order for that all to come out and just be out and good. No, no. We have to just be continually forgiving, continually. Because, listen, forgiveness is not about keeping count. Forgiveness is about losing count. You understand that? That's what forgiveness is about. It's not about keeping score. It's about losing count. We want to keep score. How many times so-and-so did me wrong? And don't keep count anymore. Some of y'all are getting some freedom right now. Just forgive them. Forgive them. It's worse than cancer. I tell you this personally. The Lord did a little work in my life about six months ago. I am free of offense. Because it ain't me they're after. It's not me. I'm just nobody. Illegitimate child. Heroin addict dad. I'm just a nobody. Black sheep of all kind of families. Right? But it's him. It's him. It's him in me that people hate. And I pray it's the same way with you. That if people are against you, it's because you follow Christ. Lastly, but not least, I'm going to give you three quick scriptures. God, God blesses those who are peacemakers in Matthew 5, 9. That's the Beatitudes. If y'all want to turn there and kind of read through that during the week, it helps you how to keep your little attitude where it needs to be. That's why they call it Beatitudes. God blesses those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I don't want to be an embarrassment to my Heavenly Father. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness, James 3.18. And last but not least, Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing.
Anytime you don't want to forgive someone, anytime you struggle with it, just remember Romans 5.8. While, and put your name in there, Sandy. While Sandy is yet sinning, while Christ died for me. You guys got that? Brad, Charlie, Cindy, while you're sinning, Christ died. That is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. And if he can forgive you of all your sin that nobody knows about, providing that you are truly repentant, it doesn't matter if the person you're forgiving is repentant or not. You follow Jesus' example. Love like you've never been hurt. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you today thanking you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We thank you, God, that you are a deliverer. We thank you, Lord, that you have set people free from offense here this morning. Previously to today, God, people have walked through some things. They have been through some things, and they've allowed you to heal their heart. And maybe just this discussion, maybe just some of the things I shared today kind of resurfaced some horrible thoughts or occurrences. Lord, I pray that you would use your spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, for the last time, wrench their mind of that offense. Wrench their mind of that obstacle that Satan had placed in their life at that time and allow them to walk in freedom. And if there's anyone here this morning that has never fully committed their life to you, right now is the opportunity, just like Caleb did this weekend, devoted his life at such a young age to just surrender and serve you, God. Maybe there's some adults here this morning that need to surrender to you. Maybe the, maybe the truth and the weight of being forgiven yet while they're sinning is what spoke to them here this morning. So won't you just accept Jesus? Won't you just surrender your will? Begin to trust him as your Lord and Savior? Just like the, the Heinz ketchup bottle, maybe it's time that you open up those areas of your life and you start tapping on it. You just start giving those things to God and watch how he begins to do a work in you. Father, forgive us where we have failed you. Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? I believe that you came to pay the price for the debt of my sin. Jesus, I understand. No matter how much good I try and do the rest of my life, it still doesn't wash away my sin. Only your blood, only your sacrifice. And therefore, God, let it not.